everybody. Welcome to the Homework Keys podcast. And we are really excited today to be talking to another author. We love talking with writers and authors on this podcast. And we're delighted to have author Becky Wade here with us today. And we're going to be talking about her new book coming out, Turn to Me. And Becky, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Yes. So this is your first time on the show. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, becoming a writer. Okay. My name is Becky Wade and I was raised in Southern California in the town of Riverside. I ended up going to Baylor University in Texas and met my husband there. We married soon after we both graduated and moved to the Caribbean. We followed his job to this little tiny island called Anguilla in the Caribbean. And it was there during those early years of our marriage that I started writing. I had always loved to read, but until that time when I had lots of hours on my hands to fill, (laughs) which really hadn't happened before or very much since, but in that little pocket of time, I had hours to fill and I thought, well, I have a computer and an imagination, and maybe I could try writing. And so I did, and I fell in love with it right away. And that's how I began. That was many, many years ago now. We've since had three children. The oldest of those is a junior in college. And then I have a son who's a senior in high school. And then our youngest is a seventh grader. So a lot of life has been lived in those intervening years. There was a season when I took time off writing completely and then came back to it again. And when I came back to it, I started writing Christian romance that has both a love story and a faith story woven through. And the book that we're discussing today, Turn to Me, is actually my 11th of those. What do your uh, kids and husband think of your writing? They are very supportive, especially my husband. From the very beginning, when I first said to him, I think I'm going to try to write a book. (laughs) At that point, I only had a business degree. I had no degree in creative writing and no knowledge of the craft of writing a novel. But he knew me very well and he loved me and he said, you can do it. And the truth was, I really couldn't do it. Um, My first several manuscripts were terrible. But over time, I got better. And eventually, I was able to fulfill that belief he had had in me all along that I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go from having the manuscripts to getting them actually your first one? How did you end up getting it published? This was back in the nineties when I was initially trying to break into publishing and indie publishing wasn't an option. So the only option to get my books published at that time was through a traditional publisher. And there were thousands and thousands of authors competing for just a few spots. And it took me four years of just submitting query letter after manuscript, after first chapter (laughs) to whoever would read. And eventually it, my book landed on the desk of a brand new editor at Avon Books. And I was young, she was young, somehow she connected with my story. And I was the very first author that she signed after she had come on board as an editor there. And that was my very first book that I ever had published. So it was just that long process you hear about of trying to break in and just facing a lot of rejection that eventually got it done. So were you always self-submitting or did, did you end up getting an agent at one point or? 
You know, when I was trying to break into publishing, I never could get an agent. I tried. I tried for years and I never could get one to sign me. And so in that instance, I was actually just submitting directly to her onto what they call the slush pile of unagented submissions. And she liked it enough to give it a chance, which is all very remarkable thinking back about just how long those odds were and how fortunate I was to get my foot in the door. You said that you've written nine of the inspirational romance. Is that right? Actually, this book is number 11. Oh, number 11. Okay. Uh, So how did you get started with that angle of it? After my first child was born, I had only had three books published at that time. And I was overwhelmed trying to take care of a newborn. And that alone was felt like a lot more than I could handle. (laughs) And moms who had challenging newborns will understand what I'm talking about. Like it was just a shock to my system to have be a first time mom and have this pretty challenging newborn to take care of day and night. And so when I had a little free time, I just wanted to rest or do a load of dishes or um, a load of laundry. I didn't want to write a novel like in those downtimes. I just didn't have the bandwidth for that in that moment. And so I stopped and I didn't write again for seven years. But eventually when I would be in church uh, at, at a worship service, singing especially, but also during the sermons, I just began to hear God calling me back to it. And it was like, he was saying, it's time to take it back up again and give it another try. And this time I knew for sure that I was going to be writing inspirational romance. And so I switched genres because I've been writing historical general market romance and I switched completely into Christian uh, contemporary romance. But just like I had fallen in love with writing many, many years ago when I first gave it a whirl, when I gave this genre a whirl, I fell in love with it again. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is really what I meant to write. And so now I've written one book a year over 11 years, and I still absolutely adore this type of story in this genre. Is it hard to insert that inspirational kind of plot line in with the romantic plot line and, and try to make it like a subtle? Is that tough, yeah. tough to do? Yeah, it is tough to do. It's one thing that I work at really hard. I want to be telling a faith story as well as a love story, but I never want the faith story to feel forced or cheesy. I want it to feel real and be about real things in our faith that a lot of us do grapple with and struggle with and are challenged with. And so that's always a component of the story that I'm working on as I rewrite and as I rewrite again to try to get that nailed down in a way that feels authentic. Yeah, I think that's tricky because conversion is such a personal experience that when you, it means so much to the person going through it, but then when it's described to somebody that's not going through that experience, it can feel cloying, it can feel maudlin, it can feel all these things. And so it's, it's, it's a very, very tricky, I think, thing to pull off. Yeah, I agree with you actually. And I think that that's one of the criticisms that Christian fiction will sometimes get is that it does feel fake or cloying or sugary sweet. And so I am very sensitive to that. And I work really hard to just make it feel like a real um, journey 
that a real person like me or like my best friends or like my sisters or like my kids would actually go through. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my um, big challenges that I face with the writing of every novel, because I love to put that faith element in there. I want the stories to have hope, but I want them also to feel very real and have that good balance. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode, and that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Watched any of the signs sealed delivered? Yes, uh -huh. actually. Some of my um, closest reader friends, uh -huh. they absolutely love that series <laughs> and they recommended it to me. And I've watched at least four or five of the episodes and I, I was completely charmed by it. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that the writer, Martha Williamson, I think she is just does just about as good a job as I've ever seen of inter, intermingling those and making making the Oliver in particular's faith journey feel authentic and natural to the character. It doesn't feel like it's sort of inserted in. It feels just that's who he is. That's part of who he is. And I don't know. I love, I think she does an incredible job. And I think in, um, uh, oh gosh, touched by an angel, right? That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> All of a sudden, author, I, my, my brain was of that too, right? Wasn't yeah, it she the was same great woman? with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's so talented. Um, mm -hmm. She does a fabulous job at that. Were you, when you were a reader growing up, were you a big romance reader? I was. I discovered romances, I think in junior high school, those like really short, thin YA novels geared toward junior high school and high school girls. And I mean, I plowed through those when I discovered them because prior to that, I'd been reading things like Nancy Drew and other types of books. But as soon as I discovered those, I was so enamored with them. And I realized right away, oh my gosh, I love just the emotion and the tension and the conflict of falling in love. And I continue to be a huge fan of romance all these years later. That's great. So uh, would you consider yourself a pantser or plotter in your writing? I am a little bit of a hybrid of those two things. I do quite a bit of research before I start writing a manuscript. And that typically gives me some ideas about things that can happen in the plot. And I usually know a few of the biggest plot points that will happen and have a general idea about how the ending will resolve itself. And then I figure out the rest as I go. Okay, good. I think you almost have to be a little bit of a combination of both when it's your career, when you're like writing for your job. <laughs> right. It helps. It helps yeah. to have a little more structure. Um, yeah. 
because what can happen if you set off without any structure whatsoever is you could end up taking your story in this very inadvisable direction and realizing that later and thinking, oh my gosh, I've just spent months <laughs> on this really inadvisable direction. And now what do I do? It's going to take me so much longer to rewrite. So if you can have at least a slight sense of how the plot is going to work, that is going to be in your best interest as an author. Yeah. Well, I think that romantic fiction is kind of easily uh, shrugged off by a lot of people, whether it's everything from the inspirational romance to the erotica and everything in between. Um, but I, I think that it provides a lot of joy to a lot of readers. So it has value in my opinion. Um, but what do you think, what do you think makes romance, uh, the whole romance genre special? I agree with you. I think it provides a wonderful sense of enjoyment and entertainment for a lot of us. When we think about picking up our favorite type of book, for me, it's this, it's a love story. And I think the reason why this genre has so much value is that love is just such an important cornerstone part of our lives. And it's not always, you know, even romantic love that is that, but just love in general just adds such an important and critical component. And so I think a lot of us love reading about love. You know, we enjoy the emotions of it and the sacrifice of it. And just, it's, it's almost aspirational in a way because it reminds us about the things that really, really matter in this life. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, it's escapist by its very nature and it's also yeah. hopeful by yes. its nature. That's right. Sometimes, sometimes I need that. I know I do. I just need I, to ditto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about turn to me, your new book. Why don't you tell our audience just a little bit about the book? Okay. So in this book, the heroine goes to the reading of her father's will. She was an only child of a bachelor father. So he was a single dad and she goes to the reading of his will. And in that will, he has left for her a clue. And it's the first clue in a treasure hunt. They always used to do treasure hunts together on every birthday. And those treasure hunts would lead her to her pile of birthday gifts. And so he tells her to wait until her next birthday and then open that clue. And so she's planning to do so. Before he passed away, her father asked the hero if he would protect his daughter when she sets out on this treasure hunt. The dad was realizing in his dying moments that the treasure hunt might bring with it some danger. And so the hero promises his friend that he will protect her as she searches out these clues. And that is the premise of Turn to Me. So was the was this treasure hunt was that kind of hard to put together and keep all the clues and, and figure out how to kind of make it all work with the plot yes that was tricky i like to add a mystery element to each of my novels so for the last several novels at least the last six or seven i have included a big overarching mystery of some kind so in some of them it has been something like what happened to the missing woman and in another one, it was, 
can I find my birth mother because I was adopted? And so there's always something that the characters are working to solve. There's some mystery going on. And I do find it challenging. So like in the case of this one with the treasure hunt, I almost had to work backwards, understanding what treasure I wanted them to find at the end, and then working backward to figure out how they might be able to get there, <laughs> clue by clue. And it was pretty intricate, it was, but I actually enjoy that part of the writing process, figuring all of those little details out. You got like one of those cork boards, <laughs> putting, connecting everything. I don't have one, but I think I need one. That would yeah. be better for yeah. my process. <laughs> Uh, so this is part of a series, right? It's there's three books in this series. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. It's called the Misty River Romance series. Misty River is the name of the town where the characters live. And it's a fictional town nestled in the mountains of northern Georgia in the Blue Ridge mountain range. And I was just really inspired by that corner of America. And it gave me a chance to go with my husband up there and visit and it was beautiful and I decided to set my series there. Yeah, man, I would have I would have such great expense uh, trips if I was a writer. Oh, I just got to set my book in, uh, in Hawaii. Yes. Hawaii it's, it's or Europe or Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. In fact, that is one of the big perks is <laughs> figuring out what fabulous place I can set my next series and then visiting that place and yeah. calling it calling it research. I would. Absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so how'd you come up with Luke and Finley, those characters? So Luke is one of the group of friends that I detail in the Misty River series. There was a group of five friends who were all trapped together by an earthquake many, many years ago when they were middle schoolers. And they had this miraculous rescue where they were in a situation where they should have died. And yet in a way that science and math and architecture could not explain, they were, they were saved and they were able to get out of that. And all of those five characters then reacted to that trauma in different ways. And that was what was fascinating to me about this series was exploring how each of them had responded to what had happened to them. And in the case of Luke, the hero of Turn to Me, he lost his brother in that earthquake and blamed himself. And so he was the one of the five who was on this upward trajectory in life before the earthquake happened. And after he lived, he went on this downward trajectory and became pretty self-destructive and eventually landed in jail. And that's how I came up with him. So when he, when turn to me begins, he's newly out on parole and he's determined never to break another law as long as he lives, but he really just wants to be left alone and have peace. And then Finley is the opposite of him because she loves people and animals and activity. And she's very optimistic and full of life and hope. And so it was fun to pair this kind of grumpy, um, brooding hero. He's kind of a bad boy hero type, I would say. It was fun to pair him with this very um, champion of the underdog, lively, fun, outgoing heroine. And really, I had him in my mind first. So I created her based on what I felt that he needed in someone that he was going to fall in love with. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, normally in these types of books, you don't have a, a lead character that's a felon. Uh, so was, was that challenging to write? And did you get any kind of pushback about that? I haven't gotten any pushback about it yet. I think one of the things that I love doing in my novels is giving the characters a shot at redemption. I don't want to be writing about perfect people who've never made any mistakes. I want to be writing about flawed people who've made mistakes and who have faults and who are loved even so. Not just by the person they fall in love with over the course of the story, but also by God who continues to pursue them with his love and grace despite everything they've done. And that was what was so appealing to me about writing a character who had been in prison and he was in prison for car theft for seven years. And I had to do quite a bit of research about that because I wanted to be sure I articulated what it would be like for him trying to begin again after seven years of incarceration. And it was pretty interesting reading accounts about that and what that's like for people when they try to reintegrate. Yeah, you even talk a little bit about how the about how much he appreciates uh, food. Yes, uh, being out of prison, how gross. That's right, <laughs> prison food. Yes, <laughs> so much of what I gave him um, in terms of all of that was based on real life accounts that I read about people who got out and wow, they had all this time in their day, and they didn't know how to structure their day anymore because in prison, everything had been decided for them and everything had been structured for them. So when Luke gets out, he doesn't know how to structure his day anymore. Um, he can't make a decision when he goes to the grocery store and he's looking at all the choices of soap and there's a hundred choices of different brands of soap and he doesn't know what to choose because he's not used to that. And he does, he appreciates food so very much. It's like the best thing in his life because of the food he's been subjected to for the last seven years. So you alternate narrators in the book and did you find it easier to write for Luke or Finley? I found it easier to write from Finley's point of view. She was one of those characters who just really sprang to life for me in a really clear way. And so I could slip into her shoes and write from her perspective pretty easily. Slipping into Luke's shoes was harder but ultimately it was really rewarding to write his journey. So yeah, I, I guess it was easier for me to do her, but maybe more rewarding at the end of the day to do him. Mm -hmm. So you had some fun supporting characters like Akira and Blair, and I'm guessing that some of the other, some of them were in the other books, which I haven't read. Uh, but uh, that was kind of fun to have a real group dynamic. Thank you. Yeah, I love my cast of secondary characters. I like to bring humor into my books and I frequently, well, frequently in every story, I should say, I do it through secondary characters in large part. And I do, I love them. I love bringing them in. I feel like it gives the town an identity and it gives the story more depth because you've got this whole group of people interacting with the hero and heroine. Yeah, that was fun. How did you decide on Akira as the name for that character? I, I wanted her to have um, a Japanese mother and an African-American father. And so I was looking at uh, 
girls' names that were of Japanese origin. And I found that one and it just leapt out at me. I've only ever heard of it with the anime. There's an anime movie called Akira. Oh, okay. That's a that classic. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that. Uh, yeah. Well, last question about the book, at least, is was it fun writing the kisses? Oh, the kisses are the best part. Yeah. <laughs> so one perk, like we talked about, is getting to take research trips to the places where my books are set. But another perk of being a romance writer is getting to write the kissing scenes. And also, maybe surprisingly, the argument scenes. Those are the two most fun <laughs> to write, even though they're on different ends of the spectrum. I love writing arguments and I love writing kisses. And I think in both cases, it's because there's so much emotion that's happening in those situations. Yeah, I would imagine that would be fun. It's great. Fun. <laughs> it would be fun to have your, like your husband or your, your partner read them and be like, how did I do <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. We like to end our interviews with some fun, silly questions. So here we go. What okay. is the best ice cream flavor? The best ice cream flavor is Brahms peppermint. Mm, that I sounds love good. It. Okay. What is your favorite color? My favorite color is probably pale, pale blue. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, what music are you into right now? I am into uh, Christian inspirational music, actually. I frequently listen to it when I'm having like my quiet time or before I write. And I don't know, it, I just find it very moving and inspiring. Do you have a favorite artist Gosh, or band? You know, I listen to a lot of them. I have a whole playlist on, mm -hmm. um, on my computer. And so Chris Tomlin comes to mind, Hillsong Worship. Uh, so many. Cool. Good. All right. What is your go-to date night food? My go-to date night food is probably seafood. My, mm -hmm. my husband doesn't eat red meat. So when we go out, he almost always eats seafood and there's no way I'm ever ordering chicken when we go out because we eat so much chicken at home. Yeah. So yeah, I think like a deliciously cooked salmon is probably my most common day night food. Yeah. I'm the same way about pasta. Like I would almost never order pasta going out because it's like so easy to make and make it right. all the time. Right. The things you have all the time at home yeah. usually is hungry for at the restaurant. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, what's your go-to date night activity going out and doing something? Our date night activity definitely is restaurant dinner. And then every once in a while we will pair that either with a movie or we will go to one of those foot massage places and we'll splurge on like a 30 minute foot massage for both of us. And sounds fun. it's so fun. Yeah. So th those are, those are the two things we'll sometimes do 
in addition to dinner out. Oh, good. All right. Dogs or cats? Dogs. I absolutely love Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Oh. And mine is sleeping quietly under my desk right now as I'm chatting with you. So What's yeah. their name? Actually, I just have one and his name is Duke. Duke. Oh, yeah. Classic. Classic <laughs> name for a dog. Okay. Beaches or mountains? That's a tough call because I love both, but I'll have to say beaches because I'm a California girl still at heart and I grew up fairly near the beach. All right. Would you rather be in a fancy dress or sweats? <laughs> uh, well, it's sure is nice to have occasions to get into a fancy dress, but I would definitely rather be in sweats. <laughs> yeah. This, I feel like now it's like, if you're in a fancy dress, that means you're doing something fun these days. So. Yes. And there's a lot to be said for doing something fun. Yes. We all could use some of that. Yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, quarantine coping strategy? Did you do, do puzzles or sourdough or what did you, what did you do? I was probably the one that did two things to cope. One, I was during the worst of the lockdown quarantine, I was on deadline. And so oh, I yeah. moved my office like to a a TV tray table out in my driveway <laughs> to try to get away from all of my family members who were in my house. And anybody who's a writer knows that you need kind of some concentration and an interruption is really hard when you're trying to write. And so one of my coping strategies was to move outside and try to hide out there and get stuff done solo. And my other coping strategy probably was streaming services like Netflix and Prime yeah. and Hulu and all of that. We did, yeah. we did a lot of TV viewing. There by. was some amazing streaming. I mean, just let, just the Marvel shows alone were so much fun. I thought the WandaVision, uh, I, I love Bridgerton. There were, there was a lot of good stuff. There was yeah. a lot to, mm -hmm. to watch, which was a blessing during that time because mm -hmm. it was one way to kind of just rest and turn off yeah. your brain for a bit. Yeah. All right. Well, what is your favorite holiday to celebrate? My favorite holiday is Christmas, although I love them all. I grew up with a mom who did such a great job of celebrating every holiday and decorating for it and making every one of them fun and unique. And I've tried to do the same thing with my kids. Um, but of them all, Christmas is tops for me. It's, it's, it's hard to be beat because it's an entire season. Yeah. As opposed to every other holiday, which is a day or maybe a week. Now yeah. it's like, especially in the world of Hallmark, it's like three months. <laughs> I know it's like a state of mind. It yeah. affects everything. The foods we eat, the candles we smell, uh, the music we hear. And it's just, it's just such a fun, fun time of year. All right. Last question. What is your favorite Hallmark or romantic movie? Ooh, one of my favorite romantic movies is The Notebook. I actually, um, it makes me cry every time. <laughs> There's something beautiful about that love story to me. So that's one of my favorites. Very good. All right. You answered all the questions. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, if people want to follow you on social media, uh, check out your book, tell us a little bit about where they can find you. My website is beckywade.com. And then on Facebook, my author page is author Becky Wade. Just search for that. And then on other places like Instagram and Twitter, it's Becky Wade writer. So I'd love to connect with your listeners on any of those platforms. 
Great. We'll have all of that information in the description and also we'll have the affiliate, our affiliate link to purchase the, all of your books, uh, in the description. So people want to check that out. They can check out turn to me, uh, and we would appreciate using those links. Uh, that would be really great. And you can find me at Rachel's reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron tomatoes. Check that out. Also make sure you're following us at Homeworkies pod and Homeworkies podcast, all of our social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That helps us so much. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our patron group and merch store. So check that out. All the information is in the description. And thank you so much, Becky. This was really fun to get to meet you. And uh, we had a great time. So good luck with the book. Congratulations. I had a great time too. (laughs) Thank you. Bye everyone.